X. Adjust my screen there so you don't see. Remember the Wizard of Oz? He had that curtain up so you couldn't see what he was doing. So anyhow, I wanted to, um, I was thinking about how much I've really enjoyed being Catholic the past, going on 10 years, um, nine years, I think, nine, 10. And uh, it's just such a, you know, wonderful religion, relationship. It's both. It is a religion. Yes, being Catholic is religion. It's a very hard religion. It's, um, there's a lot to being Catholic. It's not easy. There's a lot to it. It's, um, there's an actor in Hollywood named, I think his name is Peter something gross. I, I can't remember. He's pretty um, popular actor, pretty busy actor. And I was listening to him recently as talking about religion. You know, we think of these all these Hollywood actors as being just godless pagan atheist loons and all that. You know, people like Julia Roberts, you know, um, really messed up people into all kinds of mess, but every now and then you'll run across an actor or an actress that's got a faith life. And Peter, I'll put his name in the comments, I'll link, but um, he said he became Catholic. And the reason he became Catholic is because it was a religion that you had to be all in. You, you have to be all in. He called it a death cult. It's either you're wide open Catholic or it's death. And he's right because there's no way to be a Catholic. I mean, you either have to be hot or cold as a Catholic. You can't be lukewarm. You can't even do the things, the basic elements of the Catholic faith. You can't even engage in them if you're in sin. You can't. Um, if you got some act of mortal sin, something going on in your life that's keeping you away from God, then there's really nothing you can do as a Catholic until you go to confession because you got a wall up between you and God. Uh, heaven is closed off. And uh, you need to go to confession. I mean, there's no really much need in praying or doing any good works or, you know, going to Mass, reading your Bible. It's there's nothing, nothing. Until you get your tail to confession, the sacrament of confession, sorry, my necklace fell out somehow. I'm redneck. Got my Bass Pro Shop hat on. My son bought me my Alabama shirt. So you, as a Catholic, if you sin, mortal sin, serious sin, you need to go to confession and uh, to the sacrament confession and get rid of it because Catholics believe that if you have mortal sin, unconfessed, mortal sin, unrepented, then um, if you die in your sins, uh, you might as well have never been saved or Christian or whatever because that mortal sin uh, stands between you and heaven. So you go see the priest you confess to the sin, and the priest absolves you. So there's really nothing you can do to be Catholic, to practice your faith as Catholic. Certainly nothing you can enjoy and feel good about unless you're all in. Okay, now I know a lot of people believe that when you're baptized Catholic, when you're confirmed Catholic, and, and baptism does, like, for example, we'll talk about Joe Biden. President Joe Biden. I've never met the fellow. I think he's probably one of the worst presidents ever, a horrible leader uh, as a person. I don't like anything about him at all. He says he's Catholic. And according to a lot of Catholics out there and the way you interpret the catechism, he's Catholic. If he was baptized Catholic, um, Confirmed he's Catholic, 
but he's Catholic technically, but he's not practicing. There's no way he can practice Catholic when he's steeped in murder. I mean, he's involved in homicide, emphasize. He's a killer. Um, the man is a sellout. He's got no compass of morality. He's nothing about him's good. But people say he's Catholic. My brother Terry is Baptist. He's always saying Joe Biden's Catholic. He's not Catholic. I mean, he may be registered Catholic. God may hold him accountable as a Catholic. But as far as practicing Catholic, uh, practicing Catholic is more than attending Mass for the cameras. You go to Mass, you're going to into a portal with God to be a part of the passion of Christ. It's some heavy-duty stuff, and you're making confessions and saying prayers. You can't do all that when you're steeped in murder and homicide. You can't do it. What you need to do is go to confession and uh, repent of being a murderer, you know, for killing kids and uh, other things that, that you do. And then if you've repented, then you're good to go. Just like the, the uh, same-sex dude that Francis said, who am I to judge? Well, that was easy. Francis didn't say that till the dude repented. Once the dude repented, he was able to have communion. So you can't take communion and Eucharist and you trying to get babies killed at the same time. What kind of damn fool are you, Mr. President? Really? What kind of fool are you? Who thinks that you're going to heaven and you're trying to get children killed. They, they don't go together. Something's wrong with your soul, Mr. President. But, you know, um, I chose to be Catholic and it is a hard, it's a hard religion. And a lot of people say, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. That is bull crap. Christianity, no matter what, flavor of Christianity, it is a religion, it is a relationship. They go together, you know. Um, but I was born and raised Baptist, which a lot of you people that watch, I looked at my, um, at the numbers that YouTube gives me, and a lot of people that watch Catholic Forensics on YouTube, you're not in the South, and I saw one one poll, it's unofficial, but one of the polls on Catholic Rednecks, I think is like uh, most viewers to my channel are cradle Catholic. They're, they're not converts. I'll, I would think, you know, I'm trying to reach people that um, are in the South that know nothing about Catholicism. That's my target. But I'm bringing in cradle Catholics from California and New York and places, you know, to watch. So they don't know what being a Baptist is like. So I grew up in Alabama, in Birmingham, the deep south, um, right there in all the civil rights mess that was going on in the 60s and all the riots and the bombings here in, in Birmingham, uh, the police and the police dogs, um, the black people were marching and the Birmingham police had their dogs out there and fire hoses. And uh, I remember the signs hanging up that says white only. I'm 60. But when I was a little boy, you know, some of that stuff was still around. So you figure, um, you know, uh, Kennedy was the president when I was born. The civil rights legislation had not been passed yet until Johnson pushed it through that. You know, it takes time for things to work out in our culture. But I remember the white-only sign. And so I went to a Baptist church. And I think the, the main reason that I was raised Baptist is it was the closest church to the house. So it took us to church. And she's from the country, Walker County, Alabama, coal mining. And she's was a very gifted piano player. She couldn't sing with a flip. My mom, one of the worst, terrible singers you could ever hear. But she could wear a piano out like Elton John. I mean, she played the piano 
and neighbors would gather up in front of the house to listen to her play. She's real good, real good pianist. And growing up, she was the pianist, the piano player at the Baptist Church in her little town in Walker County, Alabama. The Baptist Church, Pentecost Church, Church Christ, Methodist Church. That's like the big four in Alabama. All them years, especially in the country. Got Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Church Christ. Basically, all there is. There was no, there was no non-denominational church back then. We didn't know what that was. That's a new thing. Anyhow, she played at the Baptist Church in the morning. She played at the Methodist Church at night. So I guess she considered herself both. I don't know. Never talked about it. But when I was growing up, when I lived in California, San Diego, we went to the Baptist Church right down the street. Then we moved back to Alabama when my dad got out of the military and we went to the closest church as a Baptist church right down the street. It was called Woodlawn Baptist Church. Then we moved to another neighborhood in Birmingham and we joined 85th Street Baptist Church and we lived on 86th Street. So the Baptist Church had a little alley that ran right behind the Baptist Church, right beside my kitchen window. So we walked to church as, as kids and my mom, we, it was too close to drive. We walked to church all my life, went to church. And then when I got a little bit social where I could go, you know, want to do stuff, play basketball, go to youth, go to this and that, I just went by myself every time the doors were open because we didn't have a whole lot of money. And that's all there was to do. So the church right down there in an alley, 85th Street Baptist Church, was our social hub. We had Wednesday night dinners. They had something called Wednesday night prayer meeting. And you would think when you have prayer meeting in the Baptist church, you'd be meeting and praying, but we rarely prayed. And this is not to, I'm not attacking any other church or denomination. I'm just telling you my experience because there's a massive difference between being a practicing Southern Baptist and a practicing Catholic. Um, a massive amount of difference in theology. They're not the same. So I grew up in this Baptist church, and um, that's all I knew from the the first church memories I have in my life is going to the Baptist church with my mama and my brothers and going to Sunday school. And I remember all my pastor's names from when I was a kid. And I remember I got baptized on November 14th. I think it was 71, I think, 1971. That was a long time ago at 85th Street Baptist Church. And Dr. Bruton baptized me. Now, that church has closed down. They got something called White Flight. And when the neighborhood went to inner city, the church left Okay, they left and they went to uh, a nice affluent neighborhood and they changed the name and they rebuilt that Baptist church. So I had to, the reason I know that is I had to track down my baptism record to become Catholic. Catholic church required that I prove that I had been baptized in a Trinitarian formula in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. They said, you ever been baptized? I said, yes. They said, prove it. So I had to track down my closed-down church, Woodland Baptist, all the way to what it is now. I don't want to name name it right now, but um, so I got my certificate of baptism because I didn't even know when I was baptized. I just remember I was a kid. So you grew up in this church, and here's what it's like going to a Baptist church, or this is what it's like going to every Baptist church I've ever been to in my entire life. I've been to, oh my, I've been to a bunch of them. Well. First of all, most Baptist churches, if you're a Catholic, um, when you go to the Baptist church, you know, the inside the uh, church building, the church house, the place where you worship, uh, really kind of plain. 
today they're building modern Baptist churches that look like theaters and, you know, all hip with nice lighting and stadium seating. And one of them over here has got the baptism over in the corner with uh, plexiglass showing. I mean, it's like you can see outdoors at the mountains and you got a baptismal and pretty much it looks like a concert hall. Um, it's got, you know, stadium seating sort of. And uh, that's the fancy one. That's the fancy one. But 99% of them that I've ever been to, just little wooden buildings or brick buildings, Baptist Church down here in Alabama. This is primarily the Southern Baptist Church. That's what I was in. Uh, the Southern Baptist Church, if you don't know anything about it, is a Protestant denomination. And it was formed up. The Southern Baptist Church was formed up in August 1845 in Augusta, Georgia. Okay, now think about that. Okay, we are supposed to be seeking the true church, the truest, purest church we can find, right? I mean, I always said, I, you know, I want to be in the church that was in the book of Acts. I want to be in the real church. I don't want to be in some, and, you know, it just never occurred to me all those years to look up where my church was started because I did not know. I'm looking at you eyeball to eyeball and I had no idea where my church was started. No idea. I didn't find out where my church started until I became Catholic. My Baptist church, 1845, it's not even 200 years old. The Baptist church, Southern Baptist church is not even 200 years old and you're going to put that, thank you, Kate, Cat, thank you so much. As soon as I asked for prayer within 10 minutes, I felt better, still need it. But we go Baptist Church, we didn't, we just kind of felt like we had always been there. And we didn't really know what the hell a Reformation was. We didn't know who Martin Luther was. We didn't care. I need to get a donation button. I sure do need one. There's one on Spotify for the podcast. Thank you. But I didn't know where um, where my church come from. I didn't know. All I know is uh, the main church I lived in, you know, all through my little kid years and as a teenager, we had a new pastor, and he was kind of a country man, and... <laughs> You ain't going to believe this, but he would use that N-word in the pulpit, except he pronounced it. He didn't pronounce it like they do in the movies. He pronounced it. He had a funny way he said it. And black folks, look, I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. We had no black people in our church. It was jam-packed full my entire life. and We never, ever, ever, ever had a single black person. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Um, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, when I grew up in Alabama, is very, very, very segregated. Um, right now where I live, I've got Asians that live next door. I've got a uh, black brother lives here. I got people from Columbia across the street and you know like we got all kinds of people we live on the same street say hi when we're walking the dog go to the same shopping center same store and it's not like it was when i was growing up okay when i was growing up um white people treated black people differently than they do today and uh, we didn't have any blacks in our church. I think we had the housekeeping was black. They came to clean the church. So, but that didn't, you know, that didn't bother me none. Didn't bother me none because I didn't know any. I thought the blacks live in that part of town up my street. If you went up my street and over the hill, you were where the black folks lived. Okay? And... The black folks all lived on the other side of the hill, and we lived on this side of the hill. 
and I did not walk my white ass over there to their neighborhood or I would get beat up. And when they came down my street, they came in groups because they were scared too. They didn't want to get beat up by a bunch of rednecks. We didn't want to get beat up either. But did I ever get beat up? Yeah, all the time. I got beat up all the time. I couldn't go nowhere. I could go nowhere growing up without getting in a fight. Nowhere. I couldn't walk to school. I couldn't walk to church. It was like being hunted, okay? Because the black neighborhood, see, I lived at 517 86th Street North. So 6th Avenue was one house up. Then after you crossed 6th Avenue, you went down a hill and then up a hill. And yes, they do. And then all that neighborhood was 100% black folks. And there were shanty houses. You know what a shanty house is? Shotgun house, very poor. And we just did not mingle. That's just the way it was. That's just the way it was. That's the way I grew up. So me and my brothers, I got a brother, two brothers I grew up with. One of them is alive. He's my youngest brother. He's Baptist. He's been on the show before. Then my other brother, he passed away. His name was Hank. He's a, he spent his entire adult life as a street cop, a police officer, big, bruising police officer. And um, he died two years ago. His name was Hank. So me and my brother would invite our little black friends to our Baptist church. Mm -hmm. We invited our little black friends because we had black friends. We're kids. We don't give a rip about all that stuff that was going on. We were kids. So <laughs> we took black kids to church with us, 8th Street Baptist Church. And do you think they was happy? Do you think we got a gold star by our name? Do you think that uh, it really made it made a good splash was ever, man, we got in trouble. There's this old deacon. I think his name was Brother John because he had big old ears. He had big old cauliflower looking ears hung down the ear. He was probably 80 years old in, in 1970. He was probably 80 then. And uh, <laughs> we, we was leaving the church and Brother John is a deacon. He grabbed us, physically grabbed us. And shook us, shook us. Kids, we're kids. And he said, don't you ever bring another one of those to this church again. Okay? I'm not going to say you, say how he said it and what all he said. But uh, we were told by the deacons, do not bring your black friends to this church ever again. And they were not happy. And I remember smelling his stinking old man coffee breath. Excuse me, get some coffee here. All right. Then I had a homosexual youth pastor. Think about this. I'm Southern Baptist. And we can't have no black folks at church. My preacher's calling black folks by the N-word from the pulpit. From the pulpit. And uh, we got a, a uh, same-sex youth pastor. Mm-hmm. Same sex. You know, he's gay. Southern Baptist gay youth pastor. And we got people abusing us by shaking us like a leaf because we brought our friends to church. And so I, that's the kind of church I grew up in. But being a kid, you know, white, little white kid, I just thought the Baptist church was the church, the only church, I thought Jesus Christ himself was a Southern Baptist and that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them were Baptists. We thought every other denomination there was, something was wrong with them. You know, we, we didn't associate with nobody that was of other denominations. We didn't like them. We didn't have unity stuff. Oh, that's always a big joke to me, these unity things, because 
There ain't no unity. Look, let me tell you something. Preachers do not like each other. Do you hear me? Preachers do not like each other. Like you got First Baptist, you got the Methodist Church here, Church of Christ, Presbyterian, got your tongue talkers over here. They don't like each other. They're competing. See, I just tell the truth. I know lots of preachers, and they do not like each other at all. And they don't agree on nothing. And they're the biggest gossipers in the universe. Ever, ever, bigger, more gossipy than women. So that's why I grew up. And then when I became a teenager and started meeting some friends and driving, then I started going to Roebuck Park Baptist Church up in a little nicer neighborhood. A little, they had girls. Yeah, they had girls there. And I was going to church there at Robot Park. And it wasn't like that other church. It wasn't like that. Now, we didn't have any blacks. No blacks. No blacks at the church. No blacks on the staff. Uh, we didn't have any blacks. And we went on youth retreats with, you know, 25 other Baptist churches. There weren't no blacks there. No blacks. So it was like all white. No Hispanics. No blacks. And we just... What's church like in the Baptist church? Here's what it is, okay? You walk in, and we were expected to wear our Sunday best growing up. Of course, it's more casual now like a lot of Catholic churches are. So you walk in, and there's nothing, okay? You walk in, you got a bunch of pews, and you got a pulpit, and maybe an American flag, and behind the preacher, you're going to have what they call a baptismal. It's a, you know, where they dunk you, like a dunking tank. Is right here. They might have a cross up, up there, an empty cross. They don't have no crucifix. See, don't, they believe Jesus ain't on the cross no more. See, those Catholics think you still, see, look, we, we, we think Jesus is still on the cross, okay? And their crosses look like this. They got this kind we got this kind. Now, I know they're against the stained glass and the graven images, but they got a few, a few stained glass and graven images themselves. But it's wrong for us Catholics to have them. But it's okay for them to have them. Like the one at 85th Street, it was a, a big old round stained glass window above the front door's entrance. And it was a stained glass of Jesus kneeling on a rock, in Gethsemane praying, a beautiful stained glass. I'd like to have it now. If I was a rich man, I'd go down there and buy it. I think they tore it down. Yeah, Creflo Dollar. Y'all know who Creflo Dollar is? He bought my church. So you walk in, and everybody's usually talking. It's a time of fellowship. I'm talking about how you do Baptist. You walk in there, everybody's talking down here. Football is bigger than Jesus. Okay, college football, Alabama and Auburn. Alabama and Auburn is a huge, huge, fanatical, religious thing. I mean, people down here love college football more than they love their family, more than they love Jesus. I mean, they love University of Alabama and Auburn. They love it. So you go to church here, Baptist Church Sunday morning, Probably somebody, everybody, the men are gathered up right there at the pews talking about football, leaning over the pews, all this and that. And then uh, you just sit down. You, ain't, you, ain't, you, you don't do any of it. If you do this, walk in the Baptist church and do this, sign the cross, you're going to get looked at. And if you go there and kneel before you get down in the pew, they, they might call security because they don't know what you're doing. They don't do that. You just walk yourself in there and set your ass down where you want to sit. And then you can lean and, and talk with your friends until they start. See, they'll have a choir come out, uh, and the choir's in front of you where you can see them. You know, most Catholic choir's behind you, so you can't see them. We want the music to sound like it's coming out of heaven in the Catholic church. Plus, all that ego and stuff. I know most churches have praise and worship teams now with the fancy costumes and the fancy hair and the fancy music, but we didn't have that in the Baptist church. We had a choir, piano, organ player. 
and every Baptist service from the time I was an infant until the last ones I've been to at funerals, they're the same. They're the same. And that's what people complain about mass being the same. But Protestant churches are the same. There's not really a whole lot of deviation in how they conduct church. Now, they call it a worship service or church service. Okay, they call it the service. What time is church service? Well, that word service is not the word mass because there is no mass at a, at a Baptist church. They don't know what the mass is. You could go right up here to the biggest Baptist church around and stand out the doors and you can ask every person who walks out of that door five things about Catholicism. They're going to get all five wrong. They don't know what a mass is. They ain't got a clue. And they just had the same thing. Here it is. Yes, I was just reading comments. You go in there, the choir comes out, and you sing a few songs. Okay, you'll probably sing three songs, and then one of the girls up there do a solo. Yeah. And then uh, they take up an offering, and they never did beg for money much in the Baptist church. Now, when I was over in the Pentecostal church, they talk about money. They, I mean, they was preaching money. Uh, when I was in the Name and Climate church, you had two sermons. The guy, who I just cut myself. Or is it a stigmata? Could be a stigmata. But I think I cut myself with a crucifix. But um, in the Word of Faith churches, you got the sermon for the offering, which could go up to 30 minutes itself. Then you got the regular sermon in the Pentecostal church. It's going to be long, long, long. Okay. Baptist church. Um, hey, Larry, in the Baptist church, after they took up the offering, then the pastor. Now, at the Southern Baptist church, if you want to know, and this is like this at most Protestant churches, if you want to know what the main event is and who the big dog is and what the church service is all about, it is about brother so-and-so, the pastor. The church is the, the, the main event is his glorious sermon, okay? So the main event at the Catholic, I'm bleeding everywhere. The main, look, I'm bleeding. I got the stigmata. The main event at the Baptist church is the sermon. And what is a sermon? It's not a homily. A homily and a sermon are different. Catholics have a homily. Protestants, Baptists in particular, they have a sermon. Um, he gets up there, usually in a Baptist church. If you can hear a 20-minute sermon, you, you, you need to keep going to that Baptist church because a lot of them are a lot longer than that. And they can go and go and go and go. And um, uh, if the preacher says something really, really good in the sermon that everybody likes, they all shout, Amen. You have all the men going, Amen, Amen. Now, if you go to Catholic Mass in the South, you might hear the same thing when the priest is up there giving his 10-minute homily. You might hear some people say amen because I've heard it in, in, in the Catholic South. So the preacher would give typically a sermon um, in the Baptist church. They preach, preach against stuff a lot. You know, like all my life, it seemed like everything was against Oh, sex, smoking, and drinking, and dancing. Those four. Now, it's okay to be prejudiced. You know, you could say the N-word. Uh, you can keep blacks out of uh, the fellowship and all that stuff. That's perfectly all right. Perfectly all right. But uh, it's just preaching against sin. Preaching against drink. Can't drink in Baptist church is a mortal sin. I'm just joking now, okay? I'm just using this as an example. I'm talking to Catholics today. In the Baptist church, drinking was a big no-no. You did not drink. You did not smoke. And I know my poor mom smoked for years. 
And she come home from church. They call it come home from preaching. A lot of times they call it preaching. They won't say church. They'll say you're going to preach it. Or how is preaching? She come home from preaching, crying all day long. Why are you crying for, Mom? Because I'm going to hell for smoking. That's what. That's how she felt. My mom, my mom walked home from church crying and condemned many times because it's always. It, it seems like they was um in the Baptist churches I grew up in. It seemed like the focus was on performance. No, no I'll take that back. The focus is on not doing stuff. You know, in the Catholic Church, we focus on doing stuff, going to confession, uh, doing Lent, praying your rosary, not eating fish on Friday. We're all, we've got a lot of stuff to do in the Catholic Church, going to Mass. See, in the Catholic Church, we don't, we ain't allowed to take, skip church. Now, Baptist Church, they don't want you to skip either, but uh, you're not going to hell if you miss church and all. <laughs> so the Baptist sermons were usually against something, against gambling, against... Now, they was for birth control. Look at that. Used to, the Baptist church condemned birth control, but in the 60s, they caved in, okay? The Baptist churches, now, deep in their doctrine, if you'll look up their uh, dogmas, you will see where they're not supposed to be doing birth control. But they caved in, and that is something you probably never hear about in the Baptist church, birth control. They're firm believers in it. So the preacher would get up there and preach against stuff. And I'll uh, preach about 30 minutes, then he'll give an altar call. Now, get this. They don't have any altars in the Baptist church. They have something called an altar call. Where'd they get that from? Where do you think? There's a lot of stuff the Baptists do that they got from the Catholics. Okay? A lot of things they do and say are left over from their... Let's face it. If you're, if you're, uh, a, if you're a Christian right now, all of your Christian ancestors were Catholic. I don't care if your family's been a member of First Baptist Church for 150 years. I promise you, your ancestors were Catholic. All of them were Catholic. I promise you. As a matter of fact, if you're born and raised Southern Baptist Presbyterian, any of that, I can promise you, your great, 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 greats were Catholic. All the way back. You know why? There was no other church. So, but we didn't think about these things. Never had these kind of thoughts. So we'd give an altar call, but there's no altar. And uh, what that means is they would sing some special hymns. One of the favorites was Just As I Am, without one plea. And it kind of gets you worked up. And the preacher would stand up there. He'd come down there and stand. And he would give an invitation for you, old sinner, to come home. So, the preacher's up there giving an altar call, inviting you to get up from your pew and make that long, long walk to the front. And the preacher will shake your hand. And he'll put his arm on your shoulder and ask you what you need. Now, if you want to go down there to get saved, um, you go down there and you say, oh, Pastor, I just oh, I hadn't been living right, and I want to give my life to God, and I'd like for you to pray with me. I want to, you know, get right with God, and the pastor will say, oh, God bless you, brother. Yes, yes, yes. Let's just repeat this prayer after me, okay? And he'd go, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you'd repeat after him. I am a sinner. I am a sinner, and I have fallen short of your glory, and I have fallen short of your glory. Please forgive me of my sins. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, Come into my heart and give me everlasting life. And give me everlasting life. Amen. Amen. So you repeat that prayer. And in the Baptist church, you are born again, legit, going to heaven forever and ever and ever. No matter 
how bad you mess up. From that day forward, you can leave the church. You can go out here and become a prolific serial killer. You're going to heaven, man, because you are born again. And they believe the Baptist church believes that when you take Jesus into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, that you are born again, that you are placed in Christ, that you're sealed to the day of redemption, and that there's nothing you can ever do to mess that up. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that is a beautiful thing. I, I do like that. I do like it. But it's wrong. <laughs> uh, it's wrong. So you got to understand this prayer. And if you've been away from God, if you are a born-again believer, but you have not been in fellowship with God, you've been sinning, they call that being backslid. Now, they don't believe in getting saved again. You're going to get saved one time. Just like Catholics believe you get baptized one time, Baptists believe you get saved one time. So if you go down there, altar call, you've been feeling bad because you've been out there fornicating and drunken, drinking and raising hell and cheating and all. And so you walk down there during this altar call and the pastor's going to stick his hand out. Oh, can I pray with you, brother? And you tell him, oh, brother so-and-so, I've been, uh, I've been backslid. I've been away from God. I've been sinning. And uh, that's not a, like a confession, but sometimes people do. Oh, man, I've heard some of them. They'll go up there, uh, Pastor, I've been fornicating. I've been sleeping. Right. You hear it from back there. But uh, that's not a confession like we do, but sometimes they'll talk. And, and the pastor will lead you in a prayer. They call it rededicating your life. Okay? It's not called repentance. They call it rededication, rededicating your life, rededicating your life. Okay, and then there's a third category where they want you to join that particular church. So maybe you're looking for a church home. You like this pastor. He had some nice hair. Um, he had a nice suit. He told some nice jokes. He's, you know, there's a uh, church. Yeah, we like to join this church. They got a new basketball gym. They got a cool sign. They got a coffee, coffee bar and a foyer. They got gymnastics and yoga. Yeah, this is a good church uh, for my family. Yeah, they got children's church and nurseries. Yeah, we don't have no screaming kids out there in the in the church house. Uh, so you walk forward, and the pastor grabs your hand. You say, oh, yeah, brother, uh, so-and-so, uh, we'd like to join the church. Oh, God bless you, brother. Uh, go sit over there and see that deacon. He's got a card. So you go over there, and you're filling out a card. Well, that's it, okay? Then after the altar call, they'll line you up and they'll say, this is John. He wants to give his heart to the Lord. And everybody's, amen, amen. If it's Pentecostal, they'll clap and cheer and stomp and dance. Then they'll get to Frank over here. Frank is rededicating his life to Jesus. Amen. Then they'll bring some other guy. I'm joining the church. Yeah. So one dude gets saved. One dude rededicates his life. One dude joins the church. And then they sing a closing song. And then the preacher, while they're doing that closing song, the preacher go down that aisle just like the priest up here. He ain't carrying a cross. He's carrying his Bible. And he's getting out there. And when church is over, you shake the preacher's hand. Okay? Then listen. Then that is Sunday morning, and church is usually over around noon, maybe 10 after. This is every Baptist church in the world, okay? Then get, look, get this. Then you ain't got to do nothing else till next Sunday morning. Then nothing else to do. You have been to church, okay? And um, you walked out of there, it rededicated, born again, join the church or you didn't need nothing. You just heard a sermon about why it's wrong to drink. Um, then that's it. Okay, You don't have to worry about going to confession. There ain't no holy days of obligation. Solemnities. You ain't got to worry about what feast day it is. Um, you Nothing. You ain't got nothing. And look, look here. They ain't got nothing. You know how we got divine mercy and St. Michael, the archangel, and 
you know, we got rosaries and we got holy water and we got all kinds of prayers to saints and man, we got incense and stained glass and got the crucifixes everywhere and and our priest got on that robe and we got altar boys and candles. They ain't got none of that, okay? It's kind of like the difference between going to the dollar store and going to Saks Fifth Avenue because uh, Baptist is very low. Now, there's some fancy ones out there, you know, theater seating and got a coffee bar and got little trolleys in the parking lot that take, you know, so you get out of your car, you ride a little train to church. But I just described to you a Baptist church. And guess what? The Presbyterian church, I was in that for three years, same way, except drier. Presbyterian church, even more dry. They're called the frozen chosen for a reason. That is one boring-ass religion, okay? Presbyterians, there's different kinds of Presbyterians. It's like there's different kinds of Baptists. I was Presbyterian for three years. And most of them, uh, I was in the PCA, and they believe in the five solas, Calvinism, predestination, election. And with them, uh, pretty much you can get the whole religion boiled down to where um, you get saved just like a Baptist. You ask Jesus into your heart. You got to mean it, okay? You can't be doing your fingers crossed and all. You got to mean it. So you get saved in a Presbyterian church, and you can get your babies baptized in the Presbyterian church. This is where they got that from. And then pretty much the whole religion revolves around the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty of God. And what I mean by that is everything that happens, God programmed it to happen. Okay? They get it all figured out. God, you know, if you pick a book, if you reach your finger up right now and bore your nose, it's because God planned that billions of billions of years ago for you to pick your nose. Um, if you just anything, they they don't believe that all you had anything to do with getting saved at all. It's just you're they don't believe that it's possible for people on their own to, to want to be saved. They, they believe that, um, on, you know, that God will draw his elect. God has already chosen in advance who he's going to save. He's already chosen. Before they was ever born, before you ever did right or wrong, this is in Romans chapter 9. If you don't believe me, go read Romans chapter 9. And they believe that before you were ever born, like trillions of years ago. Larry, we say the Lord's Prayer about five times in 50 years. Didn't have the Lord's Supper many more times than that. Oh, and the Lord's Supper is just a cracker and some juice. And they'll flat out tell you that. It's a symbol. It's a symbol. We do it every few months. Yeah, they'd come out. And I loved it because it meant the preacher was going to be short-winded because <clears throat> he ain't got time to be preaching 45 minutes and do the Lord's Supper. And they do it different. They got these trays and they got the little cups with grape juice and they're already set out. And then over here they got these, uh, they look like offering plates, got these little little crackers this big. They're store-bought. They buy them at the, they got them in the bags of them. And they're called the Elements. Elements. Oops. The elements, the elements, okay? Now, they don't believe that that bread or that wine is anything but grape juice and a cracker. That's all it is. No superpowers, no nothing holy. I mean, it's just, it's not Jesus. It's just a symbol, I guess, like a picture. I guess this picture here is not Jesus. This is just a picture of Jesus, okay? And that's the way they feel about the cracker, the Lord's Supper, the bread. Oh, it's just a picture of Jesus. And we're going, we're going to eat a picture today. 
Everybody get your pictures up and eat your picture of Jesus because that's all it is. And they will give you a quick reminder to make sure you don't have any unconfessed sin in your life. Now, here's another good thing about being Baptist. My dog wants out. Can't see. Another good thing about being Baptist is when you when you sin, there's nothing to it. Look, 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 if you blow it, let's just say, for instance, you all rob a bank today. I mean, you're, you're broke, and it's I don't know how many days of payday, and you're just going to rob a bank. So you rob a bank. And whether or not you get caught or not, you know you've robbed a bank, you have stolen. Maybe you even shot a policeman in the bank, an old woman. You shoot an old woman, and you shoot a cop robbing a bank. Well, in the Baptist religion, guess how easy it is to get out of that? All you got to do is tell God you're sorry. You ain't even got to say it out loud. Just You just think it. You can just think it. Lord, please forgive me for robbing that bank and shooting that policeman and shooting that old woman. In Jesus' name, amen. They're done. It's like it never happened. It's like it never, there's no penalty at all. No penalty, spiritually. You just ask Jesus to forgive you and he forgives you and that's all there is to it. You ain't got to go to confession. You ain't got to do no penance or nothing like that. Just in your heart, in private, you just say, I'm sorry, and God forgives you. Where do they get that? It's funny where they get it. They get it from a verse talking about the sacrament of confession. And it goes right over their head. So it's not in the Bible. There's no place in the New Testament that tells a Christian to pray to God to be forgiven after they've been saved and messed up. It ain't in there. Okay. The sacrament of confession is in 1 John 1, 9 in the King James Bible. And the reason they translated it that way is because the Anglican church, the King James church, believed in confession. So that's why 1 John 1, 9 is unchanged. It's like it's supposed to be because they do confession. But Southern Baptists, they don't believe in confession. Oh, and a lot of them, a lot of them, they got this disdain for Mary, a disdain for her. You won't see, you could probably um, go 50 years in a Baptist church, you ain't even seen, you might see a picture of Mary in a Sunday school book. Um, oh, there ain't no statues in there. They got that American flag with that eagle on it. We won't count the eagle on the American flag as a statue. And we won't count the American flag and the church flag and all those stained glass, we won't call them graven images. Those are different. But uh, that's just all there is to it. Oh, and a lot of them believe in the rapture. What is a rapture? It's a heresy, a Pentecostal heresy that Jesus is going to surprise attack and get all the Christians out of here before things get rough. Oh, they believe that. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So actually, just to throw this out there at you, I'm talking about the Southern Baptist Church. There are other kinds of Baptists. As a matter of fact, there are 59 other Baptist denominations besides the Southern Baptist. So you've got at least 60 legitimate Baptist churches. And what's the difference from one Baptist church to another? It could be any number of things. They don't, I mean, you, I mean, the reason you got all these denominations out there is very simple private interpretation. You'll find some Yahoo. He'll read something in the Bible a little differently than everybody else for 2,000 years. So he'll go out and start a church on that interpretation of that verse. And that's exactly how the Baptist church was formed. The Baptist church was formed so that the clergy could have slaves. The Southern Baptist church, look it up, was formed on two platforms. Slavery, no alcohol, prohibition, right? So the Baptists ain't going to let you drink no whiskey, but you can have a slave. You can bust up a man and his children and sell his wife off and sell his kids off anytime you want and work that man to death. You can do that, and we'll bless it. 
Don't let them come to this church. They can build their own church in a shanty. Okay? Church for white folks. Churches for white folks. But no drinking. It's just like the city of Savannah, Georgia. Founded on two things. No Catholics, no alcohol. Hey, can you imagine not having any alcohol or Catholics around? You have no St. Patrick's Day, no Christmas. No St. Valentine's Day. You take all the Catholic stuff out. We got left. You ain't even got a Bible left. If you remove all the Catholic stuff from a Baptist church, they ain't got nothing left. Nothing. They don't have a Bible. They already lost their altar. They ain't got nothing. They ain't got nothing left. Because the way the Baptist church started in the first place, all Baptist churches come from the same place. All right? First Baptist church in America was the first Baptist church in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island. Yep, that's the first one. Anytime there's a brand new Baptist church that pops up anywhere, that's the, if it's the first one, it's the first Baptist. And now they're getting trendy names. Like around here, we got Church Brook Hills and all these fancy names. They ain't named after no saint. You ain't gonna find no... Uh, Mary Magdalene, Southern Baptist, you ain't gonna find no saint, Padre Pio in the Baptist church. And yeah, it, look, man, it's a, um, Jesus is enough. Je but, you know, Catholic church is the most Jesus-centered church you will ever go to, ever. You won't ever find another church has zeroed in, locked in on Jesus, as you will the Baptist church. It does not exist. There's a hundred times more Jesus in Jesus stuff in the Catholic church than anything, anywhere, okay? There is nothing beautiful. There is nothing beautiful and sacred in any Protestant church that they did not retain when they broke off, okay? Because the Baptists broke off. The original Baptist, John Smith, the first Baptist that ever walked this earth, was not John the Baptist. That's a different kind of Baptist. John Smith, S-M-Y-T-H. I think it was 1609. He was an Anglican priest. You know what an Anglican priest is? Church of England, Horny Henry. Remember Horny Henry? Yeah, he wanted to divorce his wife. He wanted to divorce his wife. And... Marry that Umbolin mm -hmm, to have an heir. So he gave the Pope the finger, told him to F off. He broke off from Rome. And King Horny Henry VIII became the Pope of the Church of England. Well, they still retained all the Catholic, all the Catholic stuff for a long time. But John Smith didn't think it was right for babies to be baptized. He didn't believe they knew what was going on. Now, we know them kids in Israel, the little Israeli babies were getting circumcised to get in the covenant. They didn't know what was going on either, but God said, you better trim it up so they can be in the covenant. So John Smith, he had been booted from the Anglican church. I, I don't know why already he was booted. So he goes to the town square where there's water and he, on purpose, baptized himself because he believed that his baptism when he was an infant as an Anglican did not count because he didn't know what was going on. So he self-baptized, and he became the first Baptist. Now, they don't believe baptism is anything but a symbol either, just a symbol, optional, really. You know, Baptist church... All you got to say is a sinner's prayer, and you are in. You don't have to get baptized. Now, they want you to get baptized, but you don't have to get baptized. No, sir. And the baptism doesn't do anything. Yes, Henry, the king of England, Virginia Rodriguez, it was King Henry VIII. Okay? He wanted an heir to his throne. Very important. He was a on-fire Catholic. He was called the lion, the lion of the Catholic faith. But he didn't want to submit to the Pope. There's a lot of people that do not want to submit 
to the Pope. What do they do? They become their own Pope. That's what Horny Henry did. He became his own Pope. Then John Smith didn't like it, so he became his own Pope. And John Smith, you know what his new nickname was? No. Yeah, they know all that stuff, but they won't, They don't want to submit, Michelle. They don't want to submit. John Smith's nickname around town for the rest of his life was Selfie. Selfie for him baptizing himself. I dropped my rosary. He became Mr. Selfie. So it's your lesson for today. That's what it was like to be Baptist. And I'm so thankful that I got to be raised Baptist to experience it, to see what I was missing. And now I'm Catholic, man. And it's like going from a, it's like going from a little apartment into a Beverly Hills mansion. It's just that much better. We'll talk to you later.